What are you doing here? Got lost? Making sure the shear is still going on. <laughs> How <laughs> things? What's happening in Yerushalayim that I don't know about? Well, the shear and then they have a friend who has an engagement party. Ah, okay. Now I understand. That's two very good reasons to come, sir. How's it? How's everything? Well, All the, oh, I'm sorry. How's the universe from the, universe. the eyes of the chassan? I, I, I had a... a I'll tell you quickly. I, I dove in two nights ago, and tomorrow night is the Lamza Yeshiva. I turn around and I see two plaques with Nashville, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee. So it turns out one of the patriarchs of the community, where he passed away in the 80s, he grew up, he grew up in Lamza. Really? I guess I was emailing with the community and they told me. It wasn't like the dedicated by Elvis. Uh, no. <laughs> so I forgot to shake up the Sassan Roy, but I think he was a, a nephew of, of, of the Sassan Roy. Uh, Who? Funny, in Ghanai Tikva. Where the Azminas from, there's the basement of the Sasa Rebbe. Yes, Rachmoshe. He owns everything. And it's only one of the Sasa Rebbe's. In Israel, there are three. Oh. There's one in Beit Shemesh, and there's one someplace else. There was one on 103rd Street. And also in England. There's one in. They own a lot of plants. It's more of like CEOs of. No, no, they all act like Rebbe's. They all. So in London, the. In London, in order to get a seat in the Sassava Shtibol, you have to have millions of dollars. Oh, okay. <laughs> or, or pounds. Right, but the freshwater son became the Rebbe. Yeah. Mm. Freshwater father just made the money. Right. Oh, he was the property man. He has an amazing life story. He had nothing. <laughs> he had nothing. I, was, he, I paid him rent for a year. Oh, wow. <laughs> when you're in When you're in Hendon. That yeah, I lived, he owned all the buildings. He, he, there was no one else to rent from. <laughs> He's, uh, you know, the story. It's an interesting story. One more minute. So we, just, we just got the pictures. So, uh, they're, yes? They're Are you in them? Happen. Yeah, a few. Yeah. A few. <laughs> You're in more than I am. <laughs> I don't know, that's a great her, photographer. Her 95-year-old <laughs> software has like the most pictures more than anyone. Just I guess she, she deserves it. <laughs> yeah, which is, uh, and we're waiting for the video, but uh, we're very happy with the pictures. Yeah? yeah. Okay. The video. You put it up on only Simchas or something. Yeah. Here's the video, folks. Not enough bandwidth. Not enough bandwidth. Tov, I thought we would talk today about um, this posok, the first posok in uh, the parasha of Bechukotai, which says, In Bechukotai telechu v'et mitzvotai tishmeru v'asitem otam. So the problem, so to speak, with understanding the pasuk is that there are three verbs in it. And verbs are about action. And they should be differentiable. Uh, there's, some, there's some reason that the Torah, in one pasuk, which has six words in it, you has three verbs. So the first verb's verb is telechu. The second verb, which means to go, to walk along. The second verb is tishmiru. And the third verb is vasitem. So the most difficult verb, the one that we're not accustomed to, is the verb telechu. Even though, even though it's usually in the Torah, where the Torah wants you to do something, 
The Torah says, Tishmiru, Ta'asu, Tilmidu. But not usually, as the Pesach says here, Telechu. Even though we use that verb, Telechu, we use that verb connected to Halacha. And Halacha sounds like the way you go, the way you do things. But in the Torah, this idea, the verb Halacha doesn't exist very much. So that this verb, in Bechukotai Telechu, is a, is a problem. How do you Telechu Bechukotai? I understand Tishmeru, keep them. I understand Ta'asu, do them. But how do you Haloch them? How do you go with them? Well, assuming that we know what Bechukotai is, and even though the, the word chukok or chukah is sometimes differentiated from other words that mean the law, the, what we are supposed to do, nevertheless, nevertheless, means the Torah, what the Torah demands of us. So what does telechu mean that is differentiated from tishmeru and ta'asu? So everybody remembers the Rashi. I mean, there's this famous Rashi at the beginning of Bechukotai. In Bechukotai Telechu, Rashi says, Yechol Zekiyum HaMitzvot. Maybe this is about keeping the mitzvot. Bechukotai Telechu, keep the mitzvot. Keshu Omev et mitzvotai tishmeru. Harei Kiyum HaMitzvot Amur. So Rashi says, no, but that's, that's in the second phrase in the Pasuk, which says, mitzvotai tishmeru. So, again, what does bechukotai telechu mean? That means something else. Ha ma'ani mekayem im bechukotai telechu. So what does im bechukotai telechu mean? So Rashi says, shetiyu amelim and wondrously, Rashi did not explain what Amelim Batorah means. And since Rashi did not explain it, that means everybody since Rashi, until today, has tried to explain it. What does it mean, Amelim? Now the word Amelim means to uh, like put in effort, to work at it. So, what does that mean? What does it mean? Is it like anything you study, you work at it until you know it, and then you stop. So, what's Amelimba Torah? So, Rashi goes on and says, Vet mitzvotai tishmu. Now that I know what Bechukotai Telechu means, so let's read the Pasuk. In Bechukotai Telechu, if you Amelimba Torah, if you work at the Torah, so Rashi says, "Et mitzvotai tishmeru hevu amelim b'Torah al menat lishvar ulekayim k'moshe neemar ulemadetem otam ushmartem laasotam." So I don't know if this makes it easier or more difficult, but according to Rashi, Rashi says, "Work hard at studying the Torah." So that you would be able to keep the mitzvot. And we don't understand. What do you mean work hard? 
I mean, there's a mitzvah, you learn about the mitzvah, and then you do it. It doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem to be such a complicated matter. We still don't really know where Amelim Torah comes to play here. We don't understand that. Okay. So at the bottom of the page, there's a passage from the Avot de Rabbi Natan. Right, remember the Avot de Rabbi Natan is the Tosefta of the Mishnayot of Avot. Right, the Mishnayot of Avot we're sort of uh, familiar with because they're printed in every Sidur. Right, there's a custom that from Pesach until Sukkot, every week we learn a Perak in... Um, Every week we learn a parak in uh, in Pirkei Avot, right? During this period of time, probably because there's a lot of extra time during those Shabbatot. The Shabbatot are very long, so unimaginatively, the minhag was to learn Pirkei Avot. Avot the Rabbi Natan, the Tosefta of the of Pirkei Avot, is not as well known to most people. But, uh, you know, if you're, uh, if you are into it, you could, like, learn it. I mean, it's like, it's very similar to Pirkei Avot in that it talks about general moral and ethical ideas. But it also puts in a lot of effort into talking about and explaining, explaining, um, uh, Talmud Torah. You know that the, uh, the last parak of Pirkei Avot is about Talmud Torah, right? It's just only about Talmud Torah, and most of Pirkei Avot leads you in that direction, like the direction of Talmud Torah. So, here's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avot. The Mishnah in Pirkei Avot says, Hatkein atzmecha Torah. You see at the bottom of the first page? You better fix, make yourself ready to learn Torah because it's not an inheritance. Meaning that if your father is a great Talmud Chacham and your grandfather is a Talmud Chacham, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a Talmud Chacham unless you put in the effort. You have to make an independent effort. There's no inheritance in Talmud Torah. You know that in... uh, in Pirkei Avot and in the Avot de Rabbi Natan, it says that three crowns were given to Bnei Yisrael. One of those crowns is the Keter Torah, the crown of Torah, which is greater than the crown of Malchut, of kingship, and the crown of Kuhuna, of priesthood. Because, the Mishnah says, both the king and the priests have to listen to the Torah. So that the person who knows the Torah is really in a greater place than the person who's the Melech or the person who's the Kohen because they have to come to him and ask him what should they do? What should they do in a particular time? Okay. So here you have it. We'll look again at Avot the Rabbi Natan. Right? You don't get it for free. You have to learn it. You have to learn Torah. Ketzad. 
says, where does this come from? Where do we learn this idea from? Right, Moshe Rabbeinu had sons, right? He had two sons. What were their names? What? Gershom and... Remember? When they ran away from Midian, Mrs. Moshe Rabbeinu had to take care of this or that. So, he saw that his sons, Ein Bahem Torah, Sheyamdu Benisiut Acharav, and that a kind of Torah that would enable them to inherit his mantle. You know, this is the great tragedy that, that uh, Voter Rabbi Natan saw, that Moshe Rabbeinu's great tragedy was that in spite of the fact that he knew all the Torah, and all the Torah was taught by Moshe Rabbeinu to Bnei Yisrael, his own sons were not amongst the uh, the top students, so to speak. They were not, uh, he says... And they didn't, they were not worthy. Remember the story with Eli and his sons and Shmuel and Avi. This is not an uncommon problem in uh, Jewish history. That, you know, sometimes a father wants his son to be something that he really can't be. And that creates a tragedy. So he says, He covered himself up, Moshe Rabbeinu. And he stood and he davened. Who's going to lead them? Who's going to bring them? Who's going to take them out? That God should identify who the leader is going to be. So that Moshe Rabbeinu admitted in this Pasuk, Moshe Rabbeinu admitted that his own son would not be the leader, would not be able to lead B'nai Yisrael. So then, uh, Here's some kind of problem here with too many words. Yoshua, he's going to do it. He'll be the leader. So, you know, you set up a, a school where, where you'll be able to produce Torah leadership. So he said to Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu said to Yoshua, you, look, I'm going to teach these people, the people who are worthy. And Yoshua, you're going to have good guys on your side. Right? G'dayim. Eini Moser Tla'im. I'm not giving you people who are not worthy. I'm giving you the worthy ones. Vadayim. And we quotes this posuk in Shir Hashirim. So these, this posuk is in the first parak of Shir Hashirim. Just one second. 
which I happen to have here before me. So you see the Pasuk. Uh, the Pasuk, uh, I, I didn't print it separately, but you see that if you had Rashi, you know that Rashi in Shira Shirim has this trick. He first explains the Pshat, what he thinks the words mean, and then he explains the grander idea that the Pasuk is referring to, right? One, the, the first explanation he calls the Pshat, and the second explanation he calls the Dugma. A Dugma is like a model. It's like, a, that's, that's how Rashi does it. So in the Dugma, on this Pasuk, Rashi says, uh, just one second. I went to the eye doctor today, and he dilated my eyes, which is good for him and bad for me. <laughs> but I'll get it in a minute. There's what I mean to say is I can't. What? No. Uh, I, I don't know if it's better. Maybe. Maybe I slide them around. You know, that... Vizadugma, uh, he says. This is what the Pasuk is really talking about. Uh... He says, you should not lose the way of your forefathers. So Rashi seems to imply that Chinuch Chinuch, like educating children, educating them to the way of the Torah, is a constant enterprise. You have to always do it, all the time. And that's what the Avot the Rabbi Natan means. The Avot the Rabbi Natan says, uh, People have already learned a little bit. And that's the Pasuk in, in Shira Shirim. That Chinuch, Chinuch is always something that has to be fought over. You have to, it, it's not, the, uh, it's not something that is obvious. So here you have the Avod Rabbi Natan, for example. I could have chosen many Mishnayot. But the Avod Rabbi Natan says that here, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu says, what am I supposed to do? I'm going to leave the world and I don't have somebody to take my place. He says, take Yoshua. And Yoshua bin Nun understands that he has to set up a system of education. Now there's a Gemara in Erchen. The Gemara in Erchen said that when Moshe Rabbeinu died, when Moshe Rabbeinu died, there were a lot of unanswered questions. Right? Thousands. I mean, the Nusach in the Gemara is variable. But there were thousands of questions. So Yoshua bin Nun, so they came to Yoshua bin Nun, and they said to Yoshua ben Nun, look, we have all these questions. Well, Moshe Rabbeinu died. You take care of it. Tell us what they mean. Or tell us the answer. 
So Yeshua Benun says, I, how am I supposed to know? So he turned to God. And he said to God, yeah, I got these questions. You know, like Google. I want to Google all these questions and get the answer. So HaKadosh Baruch said to, to Yeshua Benun, those days are over. You can't turn to heaven. You're going to have to work on it yourself. So at the very beginning, we talk about Yeshua Benun, he's the very beginning. When Yeshua became the leader of Am Yisrael, he didn't become Moshe Rabbeinu. What was Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu was the man with the perfect answer. Always had the answer. And that's why, that's why Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, I always say, Yitro. Remember Yitro? He came to Moshe Rabbeinu, he said, listen, if you work all day and all night, and you answer all the questions, you're going to plot. Like somebody's mother would say to her, to their child, you can't do this. You can't work all day and all night. So, so Moshe Rabbeinu so said, what, what should I do? He said, appoint, uh, judges. We'll make a system. Uh, 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 we'll have judges for, for, uh, major judges, minor judges. They'll go to them. And if they can't answer the question, they'll come to you. That's what Yitro, Yitro, remember Yitro? Said to Moshe Rabbeinu. For which, Yitro got a parsha in the Torah named after him. Not Stama parsha in the Torah, but the parsha of Baba Sarita Dibrot. The parsha it's called Yitro. It could be called Moshe Rabbeinu. It's not, it's called Yitro. So, Yitro, I mean, what was, what was the thing about Yitro? What was, what was Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu didn't understand that if you appoint a lot of judges, it's easier. I mean, what was the, what was the Moshe Rabbeinu issue here? What was the Moshe Rabbeinu issue? So Moshe Rabbeinu said, Moshe Rabbeinu said, people come to me and I don't know the answer. I turn to God and God tells me what the right answer is. I'm the only one who can do that. I'm the only one who could do that. Therefore, I don't want to appoint anybody else under me. So what did Yitro say? Well, you used to say, listen, Moshe Rabbeinu, at the end, you will die and you will leave this world. And you know what the people are going to say? They're going to say that we can't get the answer like we used to get from Moshe Rabbeinu and they'll just leave. They'll dissipate. They won't be able, they won't be able to handle that. So you better set it up now, Moshe Rabbeinu. That people will see that you approve of the system. You approve of the answers that people are going to get. So you see that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu had to give up being Moshe Rabbeinu and pass over the study of Torah to, um, to others. Yoshua bin Nun wanted to get the answers from heaven, but couldn't get them. He couldn't get them. God said to Yoshua Benun, you have to work it out. You have to work it on yourself. So that Amelut Batorah, right, this idea that you have to work at it, was created when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe Rabbeinu was about to die. Moshe Rabbeinu is gone. The answers to the questions are only going to be available to those who work at it. Who try. 
because we know that there are always questions. There are always questions that have to be answered, and even today that's the case. So that's what we learn from the Gemara and Erechim about Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's what we learn from the Ovos the Rabbi Nosah. The Rambam doesn't relate specifically to this idea, but the Rambam does say something that is interesting. So if you look at the uh, the Rambam, the Rambam is the second source on the page. Just look at the, at the quote from Masechet Davot, right? You see the third source on the page is Masechet Davot, Rabbi Yossi Omer. Before we were learning uh, Avot, Rabbi Natan, now we're learning Masechet Davot. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Yim Amon Chavercha Chaviva Lecha Keshilcha. But Right, what does Sheina Yerushalach mean? Like what we saw in Rashi. That you don't inherit it. It's not true that if your father knew a lot of Torah, that you'll automatically know a lot of Torah. It's not quite the same as something that you learn, uh, you know, just in the, in the, the air. You don't learn the air. You know that when, uh, when the Lubavitcher Shluchim. I'm making a non-political statement now. When the Lubavitcher Shluchim first came to Tunisia and Algeria, remember the the Rebbe that's called the Friedeke Rebbe, which means the Rebbe before the last Rebbe. He came up with this idea of sending emissaries to odd places. So if you take a couple of Yiddish-speaking Hasidim and you send them to Tunisia, that's kind of a little odd. But they went to the to Algeria, to Tunisia, and I think they did pretty well. You know, they they got a lot of young people to leave and go to New York, which I guess was the only measure of success in those days. So, anyway, they set up a school. They set up a school, I don't know which place, Algeria. This is, what I'm telling you, the story is recorded in a conversation between the Lubavitcher Rebbe and the Belzer Rebbe, where, which was uh, published, not published, which was surreptitiously published in Yiddish. Like the whole thing is... Uh, and then I don't think it was published, republished in any comprehensible language. What? In Hebrew? There you go, you see. There are, the world is moving on. So you could buy it. You could buy this. It's going to die. In there, in there, you know, the Belzer Rebbe asks, uh, he, he asked about women. He asked, well, what should women learn? That was the Belzer Rebbe. Of course, it was a put-up, right? Because the Belzer Rebbe is much closer to Satmar than to modernity, right? So he said, you think women should learn Torah? So the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Now I'm talking about this Lubavitcher Rebbe, the last Lubavitcher Rebbe, <laughs> who is someplace. So the last Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Belzer Rebbe says to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, what should women learn? So the Rebbe says, whatever. I mean, I'm not getting it exactly right. So, so the Belzer Rebbe says, you mean they should learn a Mishnah? So the Lubavitcher Rebbe says, yeah, sure, of course, learn a Mishnah. They should learn Chumash Rashi, they learn Chumash Rashi, Halacha, they should learn. And then, 
Then the, so the Belzer Rebbe was a little astounded. I'm, I'm making this up. It's not in the, not in the, uh, in the words. So the Belzer Rebbe was a little astounded. So Babich Rebbe looks at him and he says, listen, I'll tell you a story. <laughs> See, Rebbe's talk to each other, talk the same way as they talk to people. So he said, I'm going to tell a story. When my father-in-law, that's the Friedicker Rebbe, right? My father-in-law sent these emissaries to Tunisia and Algeria. So, so they went and they talked to the rabbis, you know, and the local rabbis, you know, those guys who wear those funny hats and, you know, kind of wear uh, house coats. Uh, he said, look, we had to start a school. We had to start a school. So I said, fine. So I started because in those days the only school was run by Ort. And the Ort schools were not from. And they realized that people had to learn uh, what they call in Israel a mikzoa. You have to learn how to do something. So they, they had this problem. They would, they send the people to the, so they said, no, we're going to start a religious school and they're going to teach uh, whatever and it'll be, and, and all the rabbanim, the local rabbanim were overjoyed. And they helped get kids into the school. The kids went to the school. They were, they were from and they learned other things. It's a great story. Then the Lubavitcher guys came. And they said to the rabbis, now we have to start a school for girls. So the rabbonim in Tunisia, they said, girls? Our girls don't leave the house. They don't leave the house. When you get married, uh, so you leave your house. But until you get married, they don't leave the house. So if they have to go to, to the Makovet, they go by twos. You know, two together. And they only go during the day. They only go a short distance. They can't go. You can't leave the house. What is school? How can you have a school? Besides which, they said, the girls don't have to go to school. Why don't they have to go to school? Because they know whatever they have to know. And they learn it from their mothers. The girls are home and they cook and they clean and they, uh, they're with their mothers. So they learn whatever they have to learn. And when the time comes, they have to learn. So they learn from their mothers. So the Lubavitcher guys knew that this was not correct. But they didn't know how to beat it exactly. And they came up with this idea that they would give them exams. All the girls, they take all the girls, and they would give exams. They couldn't read or write. They could read, but they usually couldn't write because they davened. But they didn't learn how to write, really. So they, uh, so they gave them oral exams. And all, they all failed. They didn't know basic halachot. And they proved, this is what Babacher Rebbe said, they proved that this system of education, where you like stay home, and you sort of like uh, just learn it from your mother, was not working. It wasn't a system that was working. So that, again, you see that in Pirkei Avot, it says, Eina Yerushalecha. That's what Rashi says. That knowledge and uh, is not an inheritance. You don't just get it for nothing. But you have to work at it. Even if you live in a community or a society which is entirely from, let's say, you're still not going to get it until you lo- unless you learn it in a systematic way. And that's what Rashi said about Bechukotai Telechu. 
that the importance of Amelut Torah is that there's no other, no other option. There's no other option. Now let's look at what the, the Rambam says. This is a halacha that has nothing to, not really so specifically to do with, with Amelut Torah, but I think it's important for us to know that this is the position of the Rambam. Hamanhig atzmo there's a person who lives, you know, like he, he gets these magazines about health, and that's what he does. Takes the pill, he does the uh, requisite amount of exercise, you know, that's how Pia, he's high al Pia Refua. Imsam Ali Boshi Yekol Gufovever of Shleimim, Bilvad. says, if what he thinks about when he goes to the gym, is that the gym is going to produce the desired result. And that's what he thinks. There are people like that, right? There are people like that. Here he means something else. Amelim means, yeah, he work hard. He has sons who work hard. Amelim litzorcho. That's, that's not going to work, he says. Don't think that you could spend all the time in the gym and your children are going to do good things. Ela yasim elibo gufo shalem v'chazak but really what you have to do is you have to make sure that your body is healthy, in good shape, so that the time that you spend studying the Torah and trying to know something about God will be well spent. You can't learn philosophy. You can't study things that are really important. If you're hungry, if you're sick, or if you're in pain, and you can't see, you can't say, ah, I don't have to learn Torah because I have a kid, I have a son, well, like he's going to do it. He like loves to learn. That's going to be a kapara. You know, like the people say, you know, they don't do Mizrach, they like to say kaparati. My son is going to tone for me. I don't learn a thing, but he's going to learn. I mean, even when he's doing business, what you really have to do is always focus on your obligations to God. That everything you're doing, you're doing because you want to do the right thing before God. Even when he's sleeping in Yashen, Ladat, Kedeshe Tanuach Dato Alav Yenuch Gufo, Kedeshe Lo, 
יכלה ולא יוכל לעבוד את השם, והוא חולה, נמצאת שינה שלו עבודה למקום ברוך הוא. So the Rambam says, the Rambam says obviously you have to eat, you have to sleep, you have to work sometimes. There are people who work, I don't know if you've met anybody like that. There are people who work. So he says these are all things that we have to do, but we don't have to kind of stop thinking of our greater obligation, which is Talmud Torah, and coming closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. V'alinyan zetzivu chachamim v'amru v'chol ma'asecha yehud v'shem shabayim that's the Mishnah in Avot v'ushava shlomo v'chokhmato the Pesach in Mishnah that you have underneath b'kol durachecha da'eyu v'yasher olchotecha So the Rambam the Rambam when he talks about ha'meilut like what is the difficulty that you have to overcome? The difficulty is not, according to the Rambam, succumbing to the reality that you live in. You have to work, you work. You have to eat, you eat. You have to sleep, you sleep. But, but you can't begin to think that those things are of major importance in terms of the long view. But what is it that you're supposed to be doing? Is what you're learning Torah? Is what the coming close to God? So it seems to me that the notion of Amelut Torah is explained by the Rambam, who said that Amelut is the enterprise of keeping the Torah foremost. That's not easy. You're always thinking about the Torah. You're always thinking about how to make things better, how to be who you should, who you should actually, who you should actually be. There are many cases in the Gemara. The Gemara talks about: Does a Talmud Chacham operate with the same rules as someone who's not a Talmud Chacham? Like, so the Gemara says, for example, you shouldn't go to a Talmud Chacham. Shouldn't go to the Makolet. Shouldn't go to the Makolet and say, "Charge! I'm charging it." You shouldn't say that. Shouldn't charge things. Talmud Chacham should understand that there's a leniency here. You're taking something, but you're not paying for it. I'm not talking about credit cards. Credit cards, you do pay for it, even if you have payments. But I think people go to Makolet, that's an Israeli institution, the Makolet. The Makolet is a place where you take things, but you don't pay. Right? That's the institution. Uh, so the Gemara says you shouldn't do that. In, in other words, Torah is not something that is limited to the Beit Midrash. Torah is, according to the Avot Rabbi Natan, tremendous problem solving, tremendous enterprise. It's not just learning about what we knew about. And according to the Rambam, according to the Rambam, the Amelut in the Torah is to keep priorities straight. My priorities. My priority is first and foremost to serve God. And I can think about that wherever I am, wherever I do. The Gemara in Erechim said that Moshe Rabbeinu died. No, I said, he didn't say Amelus. He said, now you're going to have to figure it out yourself. Okay. You want to give this sheer? Ah, okay.
Let's look at the second page. The Kedushat Levi. The Kedushat Levi is Levi Yitzchuk right? Chasidus. Lechorah, im bechukotai belechot at vet mitzvotai tishmoru vasitem otam. Lechorah, I'm in the first line. Nere bekan yater lashon. There are too many words here. This is how we started. We started talking about this pasuk. We said that there are too many words. Lechorah, nere bekan yater lashon. Umea rauya ya lechtov. Im tishmoru et mitzvotai, right? Vinatati otam. Aval hanir e baze. Ito be gimara, right? He quotes a gimara in Kedushin. Machshava tova kodesh bochu mitzareif lemaase. That's a kind of a mystery statement. God, if you, if you think well, you get Extra credit. What does thinking well mean? The Hainu, Mamesha Adam, Bamesha Adam, Choshev, Umekabel, Allah, Bimachshava, Lasot, Ezem, Mitzvah, Azaya, Kodesh, Bochu, Mitzarfale, Maaseh. Even if you didn't do the Maaseh. You didn't do it, but you thought of doing it. You had this idea. You said, Oh, I'm going to buy a nice lulav, or I'm going to eat a, I'm going to go get matzahs. And it doesn't work out. You can't get what you thought of. So if I say, if I say, uh, uh, I'm going to buy a Arab Russia, I'm going to buy a Lulav. So you get credit for doing the mitzvah of Lulav on that spot. So here the Kedushat Levi says that the verb Hey Lamit Kaf Lalechet is attached to mitzvot because anybody who does the mitzvot is not just doing a mitzvah, but he's improving himself, he's changing himself, he's holech, he's going mi madriga le madriga. Madriga is a step. So that doing mitzvot doesn't only, is not just a response to the divine command, but doing a mitzvah changes the person who is doing the mitzvah and he goes from stage to stage. V'zeu mitzvah goreret mitzvah. That's why the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, mitzvah goreret mitzvah. You do a mitzvah, you get a yen to do another mitzvah. Why? Because the first mitzvah that you did already kind of elevated you a little bit. Having been elevated a little bit, you want to continue and get more more close to God. So that's called mitzvah goreret mitzvah. Val pize nuchale va'er ma'amar chachamenu zal tana devei Eliyahu kol ashonei halachot b'chol yom muftach lo shu yikabel chelik ba'olam ba perush zekayal atzadik al ze amar kol ashonei halachot the hainu she yishne b'chol yom 
הליכותיו שהולך בכל יום ויום למדרגה יותר גדולה, אז מובטח לו שהוא בן העולם הבא. So in other words, uh, again, the Vaditshava doesn't see Olam Hazeh as a place where you collect, um, where, where you collect, uh, what do they call those, Boy Scout badges. What? Brownies are Boy Scouts? Oh, badges. It was like they, you have a collection. You, you see the world as being a place in which you can make a big collection of achievements. But the, the, the Badichava says that that's not the idea of a mitzvah. The idea of a mitzvah is to enable you to improve yourself, to change yourself, to move somehow in the direction of a Kodesh Bokhu, because every time you do what a Kodesh Bokhu wants you to do, you've kind of moved yourself in that direction. And he calls that Madrega, Le Madrega. And he says, that's why it says, If you understand, the Badichua says, that doing mitzvot is about something more than just doing things, then you'll find that you go, that you move, that you, that you are uh, uh, moving in a particular direction. And that makes you ben olam haba. What is ben olam haba? What is olam haba? So the Rambam says, olam haba is a place where people are nenim miziva shechina. It's another kind of experience. It's not a place, like some people say that... Uh, the Garden of Eden, you know, other religions, is like, is like a place where you have a very, very effective credit card. You know, like, whatever you want, you get. And so you have that credit card. And, you know, wherever you are, in Olam Abba, whatever you, whatever you think you want, you get. But the Badichava says that in Olam Hazer, there's an option for Olam Haba. If Olam Haba is that everything becomes the experience of being close to God. So Ben Olam Haba, someone who is worthy of that, is someone who is taking strides and moving in that direction, even in Olam Hazeh. So Im Lechu means, according to the Baditshva, it means... I know you could do the mitzvot in a kind of perfunctory manner. You could even do chumras in a perfunctory manner. It doesn't make any difference to us whether you buy this hechsher or you buy that hechsher. Whether you, whether you, uh, uh, you know, buy this matzah or you buy that matzah. I mean, it doesn't make any difference to us. It just means you have to call up this guy who delivers it to you for money and the other guy delivers it to you. It doesn't make any difference. There's no halicha. There's no issue, so that according to the Badichava, according to the Badichava, I think that Chumras become an irrelevancy. It's an irrelevancy, it's a halachic question. Halachic question, should I, I eat this chicken or eat that chicken? It's a halachic question. But since the solution to that halachic question is available to everybody, it doesn't produce, it doesn't produce any change in the person. So I say, is it important to buy the best chicken? I think it is. I think yeah, you have to look into it to see what the best chicken might mean. But I think it is. 
But does buying the say the best chicken affect you spiritually? I don't think so. It maybe is an enabler. Like you 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 did your best to get the best chicken, so maybe that's a start. But the Baditra says the Baditra says you have to understand that halacha and mitzvot are halicha. It's movement. And the movement is up. That's what you are constrained to do by the Pasuk. Imbichukotai telechu. Go someplace. Move someplace. Don't don't let it become don't let it become an irrelevancy. I remember, you know, used to be a time used to time uh, people lived in mixed neighborhoods. You remember? In Chutzlaritz. You lived and like the people next to you might be Goyim. Are they you know you know about Goyim? They don't have them in Israel. I mean they had them someplace or other, but you know, it's like you have to you have to work hard to find them. And uh, so there's no Goyim in Israel. So all the religious people decided they should only live with other religious people. So the Svara the Svara is a good Svara. You know, you want your children you want your children to be upset. I don't remember when I was a kid that I was so upset, but uh, okay. I, uh, my family was religious, and the people who lived in the same building next door to me were not religious. But we didn't do, we could play those street games together. It didn't matter. You know, so, if, so I had to figure out why I was religious and why he was not. Like, I think that was good. Today, everybody is in a religious neighborhood. Not everybody. But those of you who are not yet in a religious neighborhood, you short, short, uh, shortly will be. There's no, there's no choice. There's no, you know, there's nowhere to go. So, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's always this question. There's always this question. Like, uh, how much should I be part of the bigger world? And how much should I be part of my own world that I am creating for myself? So in Israel today, the, I mean, when I came to Israel, I came to Israel in 1965. In 1965, there were no religious neighborhoods. There were none. There were only buildings that had sukkah porches. You know, there were buildings that had sukkah porches, and there were buildings that didn't have sukkah porches. But in a neighborhood like Kiryat Moshe, which today is a very religious neighborhood, then it was mixed in those days. I mean, you could decide that you wanted a sukkah porch, but you couldn't decide that you wanted to live only with people who are exactly the same as you are. Uh, that, that's a that's a new thing. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that 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 result encourages going up my madrego the madrego. That's what that's what I'm trying to say. Here, the baditchiver who never could imagine that he would be able to live in a in a place where there were only Jews. You know, uh, uh, so so he said that that. Life forced you to evaluate yourself. So how are you doing? I mean, what's it worth? What's it worth? If you have people who don't live the way you do, then 
the question comes up. Why am I doing this? What's the point of it? I think, I think that, you know, it's a great teacher to be able to make the decision to live in a certain way where not everybody lives that way could produce a very positive result, including what the Badichavah says, if you use the mitzvot as a springboard for an aliyah, for madrego le madrego, then, then that, that's how it should be. That's really how it should be. And if you use the Torah, if you use the Torah as a vehicle for your immersion in the world of the Torah, so then you also, you also kind of offer or give yourself the opportunity of madrego le madrego, right? It could happen. Otherwise, it's, it's not going to happen. So the halicha, according to the Badichava, according to the Badichava, halicha means you have to go someplace. You have to be thinking of yourself, of moving. In a, you can't be complacent about, you know, today, uh, I always say chumras, Chumras have become totally irrelevant because if you go to a certain supermarket in Yerushalayim, you get all the chumras. You don't even have to think about it. You know that when you take the can of peas off the shelf, you've got the can of peas with the greatest number of chumras, which may not be so great. I mean, I'm not... But I say you just get it automatically. It's not like there's a ma'amatz, an, an effort. It's not like, a, like, a, like you have to do something. So that the Badichva, the Badichva thought, the Badichva showed that a person has to see himself in motion somehow. And that's what the Amal HaTorah, even though he doesn't say it, but that's what the Amal HaTorah that Rashi is talking about is. That learning Torah is supposed to get you somewhere. It's supposed to create something. And then if you do that, you can understand the Rambam. The Rambam who says that everything you do has to be done for the higher purpose. You can't allow yourself to be dragged down. I mean, this is a problem. You see in all the Sifrei, all the Sifrei Hasidus, all the Sifrei Musa, everybody says, like, who are we? You take all the features, human features, in some ways we're just like animals. We do the same thing that they do, and we live the same way that they live. Okay, we have other, other things, but how do I get rid of that suspicion that I have about myself that I'm just a kind of an animal. So the Rambam says, well, the animals are not thinking about moving. They're not thinking about where they're going. They're not thinking about where the Torah fits into the whole, to the whole system. Now we can think about that. And that's a kind of amelut, a kind of enterprise that the Rambam wants us, wants us to have. So life, life according to First the Rambam and then uh, the Kedushat Levi and this idea that Torah study, Torah study became crucial when Moshe Rabbeinu died. And when Moshe Rabbeinu lived, he was still able, he was still able to get the perfect solution all the time. And we, we have this kind of, uh, I think, you know, we're like schizophrenic. We're schizophrenic always. Are we doing the right thing? You know, we're not all washing our hands all the time. But we're worried. We want to do the right thing. We want to do the right thing. The Kedusha Levi said, it's not just doing the right thing. It's moving. 
with the right thing. The Rambam says, it's not just doing what you have to do because of the way you were made, but you can overcome it. Not by fasting. Not by doing crazy things. Or the Basil Yisharim says, it's not like a, a rolling in the snow. You know, people used to go rolling, rolling their bodies in the snow in order to flagellate themselves. The Basil Yisharim says, that's crazy. That's a crazy thing. What's that got to do with, with, with a spiritual enterprise, development, growth? He says, none of those words apply. He writes it, that's what Basil Yisharim writes, that you should not go rolling around in the snow. Why? Because then you begin to think that rolling around in the snow is something spiritual. It does do something. Like the faker is in, uh, is that how you pronounce it? Fakir, faker. Faker is in India. You know, so they're all lying on nails. On beds of nails. I say, okay. I mean, it's great. But it's not, it doesn't interest me. Because it does not imply a spiritual achievement. The fact that you could overcome some of your body, bodily needs is not such a big deal. That's why we have Shabbos and we have Yantif. And we, you know, to show that, that we can use that. We can eat happily and we can drink happily and we can be happy. And, you know, it's like all, if you have the right attitude, it all fits in. So we see that in Bechukotai Telechu, Turns out to be, starting from Rashi, who said Amala Torah, but in Bechukotai Telechu means, means that there's an achievement here. You can do more than you think you could do, even with the Torah and the mitzvot. That people should not think that Torah and mitzvot are about perfunctory achievement, but they should somehow manage to get the idea into their heads that Torah and mitzvot is about a human achievement. It's about changing us, making us, getting us a little closer to Olam Hababa, Olam Hazeh. Have a good Shabbos. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to uh, Marev. Yeah, both. What? To congratulate Rabbi Brock. There are two big achievements. One, which you have a lot to do with, and which you have very little to do with. Uh, uh, first of all, second of all, what is this? No, no. I feel redundant.
How are you guys doing? Okay. I think it didn't work. Oh, no. You think it didn't work? Yeah. When I looked at it, it was off for some reason. I didn't know what it was facing.